Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon. Private tutoring, what are your thoughts? Is it only for the rich? The National Tutor Programme, will it work or is it just the government throwing money at COVID? Get in touch as usual, join the show, message me or call in to The Drive Home Show uh, through the Podbean app, uh, through the website and get in touch to join the conversation. Live from London, this is The Drive Home with Seb Ventura on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Welcome everybody to the Drive Home Show with me, Seb, on this Friday afternoon, oh, Thursday even, jumping ahead, Thursday afternoon, the 20th of January. And actually the first time uh, in a while I can remember being able to do my show in the daylight, um, which is obviously going to be fast diminishing through this show. Um, but it's a, yeah, so it's, it's nice to feel like there's a bit of the day left. Um, I hope everyone's had a good week. Uh, masks are off, the gloves are off, as they say. Um, so let me know how that's going at your school. Um, ha- have your school just fully embraced that uh, policy or are they making sure that they're telling people to keep wearing masks uh, or is it optional? Hello uh, to some people joining me in the studio. Hello to those people joining me. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, and yeah, so hopefully you're in a, a relatively less stressful situation of not having to... Uh, challenge uh, students in the corridor because I know that has been really tough the last few weeks um, for everybody, teachers, leaders uh, in the corridors, having to constantly remind kids, you need your mask, you need your mask, you have to wear your mask uh, in lessons. And, you know, it, it's very, very difficult to enforce it, um, I think. But obviously now, hopefully that has reduced and we should be in a situation where, you know, students probably will still wear them in communal areas, etc. But it's not as bad hopefully but um yeah let's uh not let's not uh, let covid dominate the show um welcome to everybody it's the drive home show i'm not sure whether people are driving home or if you're still at work about to drive home maybe you're listening to me in the car if you are drive safe um and or maybe you're still at work doing work and you just have this one in the background wherever you're listening from um i appreciate you joining me so today um, we are looking at tutoring. So you may well have seen on the on the Twitter, if you follow Teachers Talk Radio or if you follow my own uh, Twitter page at TrippyTarka74, that today's show, we're going to be looking at tutoring. So I think it's important before we start just to contextualise exactly what we mean by that, because there's different uh, ways of what people call tuition, tutoring, etc. So what I mean by tutoring uh, is something that is one-to-one, so we're not talking about interventions, really. Something that is intensive, uh, something which is additional to their normal school learning and uh, or something that is a you know replacement for something else. So perhaps a student is being one to one coached through a, a course, which is a, a replacement for you know, a subject that they've dropped, etc. But what we're talking about basically is one to one. Uh, by its definition. But then within that, there are two kind of topic areas that I would like to discuss today. And again, as usual on TT Radio, we are um, we are not 
This is not a podcast, although it will be obviously after it's finished. You can listen back at any time. The main focus of Teacher Talk Radio is that we are live. Uh, this is a live show. And hopefully if you've joined me, that's because you want to listen in live and you want to take part and interact. So there's um, the message function. You can text me, send a message through that um, on the app or um, just click the call in button at any point and uh, join in, create a you know, discussion with me, ask a question or raise a point, whatever you want to do. So, um, yeah, so there's two sides to this, basically. One is um, private tutoring. So my guest today is a teacher called Laura, and Laura is in Hertfordshire, and she is a dance teacher primarily, but she also uh, tutors uh, English and maths to support her career uh, because she had children and she's been part-time, uh, etc. So I don't want to too many have spoiler alerts for the interview later on, but we'll be joined by Laura um, in about 20 minutes or so. And I've got a really, really good uh, uh, opportunity there for you to listen to Laura, who uh, has tutored for a long, long, long time. She's been teaching for over 20 years. Um, so she's got bags of experience. So this is the first angle to the show today is private tutoring. So if you are interested in doing that, if you are, um, you know, you're part time and you're trying to supplement your income, or maybe you are full time and you're thinking of going part time and how you'll afford it, and you're thinking of maybe tutoring as a sideline, uh, listen carefully to what Laura's got to say because she's got lots of good advice about the pros and cons of it. So that's part of the show today, which is private tutoring. And then when I approached Laura to be on the show today, um, initially that was the kind of the main focus. But then what this has then done is opened another uh, whole area about tutoring in terms of um, the effect of one-to-one -one tuition. So then we're looking at in-school tuition, in-school tutoring. I've got a quick question there uh, from Hossein or Hussein. Uh, who says, what does she teach as a private teacher? Basically, uh, ma majority of it is maths and English. Okay, so that's core subjects is where you're going to get probably most of your customers or your clients or your students from. Uh, and so she teaches both maths and English. Uh, I think she started just with English and then she uh, she moved on to doing maths as well. But that's all revealed in the interview anyway. So if you stay tuned, don't go away, you will find out. Um, so yeah, so to go back to today, what we're going to be doing is discussing private tutoring, whether people think it's fair, whether or not we should allow it. There's an interesting um, point someone brought up on Twitter. Um, I think it was one of our co-hosts, actually, Dorian, I think, who said that in China, they've now made the decision, taken the decision to ban private tutoring altogether uh, due to the pressure that it, there's obviously it's uber competitive out there and the pressure it adds to parents to pay for the tutoring and the pressure it adds to the students to do well uh, it's just become too much I think so they've just banned it altogether so that's obviously a slightly different political way of dealing with it that we may may do in this country um, but there may be people listening who think private tutoring is awful and it shouldn't be allowed and it's unfair advantage and yada 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 but obviously it's a free market and if parents want to help their children in that way then and they've got the finance for it then obviously we can't you know we can't begrudge people doing it and also it's it's a job for teachers uh, to do um and also in addition to that thinking of the students you know if you're a student that happens to be in a 
maybe in a, a school that isn't what you know one of the top schools uh maybe it's a, a difficult school to learn in and you're in a class where you know behavior management isn't isn't the best or that school's not dealing with it then maybe your student your child is uh quite intelligent and isn't able to get the most out of that teacher because the teacher's not able to do their job properly which could be for a myriad of reasons but i'm just saying to people out there before you're too quick to dismiss private tutoring just consider the fact that if you if it's your child uh, and they're coming home and their progress and they're not making that progress uh you can't always blame the school or blame the individual teacher because there might be lots of issues so maybe you take a hit on a bit of finance for a few months in a run-up to an exam uh gcc or like a level whatever just to give them a little help little boost to fill some gaps and the other argument of course is that maybe tutoring actually is just a way to focus the student to actually have one hour a week or however often they're doing it where you guarantee they're going to be doing homework or you guarantee they're going to be doing some extra work outside of the, um, you know, 8.30 to 3.30 school bubble. So that is um, what we're going to talk about. And then in addition to uh, listen, listening to Laura and, and her thoughts on being a private tutor and the pros and cons of it, I also want to unpick today uh, a little bit about um, the National Tutoring Programme. So, of course, when I was planning the show, I realised that this is, you know, this is a relatively new thing. Uh, in that it's only just started. I think it started in November. Um, and obviously this is government funded. And obviously we all we, we should know. And if you don't know, it's, it's designed to close the gaps for, created by COVID. It's a catch up program. Uh, there are 17,000 uh, academic mentors signed up apparently to do this. Um, I think some of them are just graduates. Uh, I don't mean just graduates, but I'm, I mean, some of them are graduates and not necessarily teachers, uh, but they're graduates. I'm looking for work, perhaps. So then there is a there is a bit of a question for me there about quality. I don't know. Does it are they getting the, the same level of tuition that a teacher might give them? I don't know. Um, so the National Tutor Programme obviously is designed to do that. And we won't know whether this is effective or not for a while. But what it will do, I guess, is create a lot of data for us because never been done anything like this before. We've never been in a pandemic like this before. Uh, so it's 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 worth a try. I'm not going to be a government basher here, um, whether it works or not, or what you may disagree. And if you do, please get in touch whether you think it's a good idea or not. But whether it works or not, it will certainly create some data about the effectiveness of that. And I guess it's a bit dependent on the quality of the tutoring you're getting, whether it's going to work. Um, but yeah, I presume most people are in a position where their school uh obviously taking this on board using that funding and that you've i would expect most schools are the same you've earmarked or you've ring fenced a group of students disadvantaged ones probably that need that and that you have that you're going to put onto that program um, i guess the issue is then attendance etc as well but like with any interventions it's always a battle to get the kids to actually turn up even if it's free even if it's pupil premium even if it's a funded government initiative it still doesn't mean the kids actually going to turn up or be there or want to be there um and that is obviously half the battle so welcome to those people just joining me thank you for liking the show and sharing it out um so that's the two sides to today's show now before we go any further oh, what i thought i'd do to increase the uh, level of um interest and engagement today was i'm going to set some quiz questions 
um, that I want you to have a little think about. Now, I'm not going to give you the answer to the quiz questions until after Laura's interview. So you will have to stay uh, tuned in um, to find out whether you're right or not. And I don't want you to cheat. So no Googling, uh, no looking it up, because what is the point? You're only cheating yourself, as teachers say. So I'm going to pose a few uh, number crunching, tutor based questions to everybody and see how you get on. Now, you can either reply with your guesses uh, in the chat box. So you can give me your answers like that and I'll, I'll mark them uh, during the interview or I'll mark them during the news and then I'll tell you how many you got. That would be one way of doing it. Or you can just call in and give me your answers directly and I can, I can tell you. I haven't got any cash prizes or uh, holidays to Mallorca or anything like that I can give you, I'm afraid. But um, maybe in the future, maybe Teacher Talk Radio will will go big budget in next year and and we'll be able to start uh, sending out, sending people on holidays. At the moment, you can get a mug, uh, Teacher Talk Radio mug. That's the best, about the best I can do for you, I'm afraid. So if you do get all the answers right, then um, I might be able to send you a mug. If you join, go on our website, put in your details, um, say you're listening to the show and Tom or someone may well send you out a mug. Anyone who calls in gets a mug. That is a given. Um, but this is just a bit of fun, really. So I'm going to pose these questions on tutoring. Um, have a little think what your best guesses are. Don't cheat. And then, um, yeah, afterwards, we'll we'll have a little look what what the real answers are. And I'll go through what we think about them after um, the interview with Laura. So first of all, these are from the Sutton Trust. Uh, so again, don't look at that up. But after the show, if you want to find out any more about it, uh, go into the Sutton Trust website. There's some fantastic data on there um, and some interesting studies that you can look at. So the first question, question number one is, what percentage of 11 to 16 year olds nationally say they have been tutored? Now, I don't know if that is ever or if that is last year or I don't know what the timeline is, but what is the percentage of 11 to 16 year olds that say they have been tutored or, or you know, we can we can acknowledge them being tutored. So that's question one. Question two is the same question, really. But what do you think that number changes to uh, when you consider just London? OK, so there's obviously two numbers there. One is the national figure, one is the London figure uh, for 11 to 16 year olds. So that's question one and question two. Question three is, what is the percentage of uh, rich children or let's say well-privileged children that uh, get tutoring compared to the disadvantaged or the poor children? So there's, <clears throat> excuse me, two percentages there. Uh, and then the question, the last question is basically, uh, how many teachers, secondary school this is, how many secondary school teachers um, say that they have also tutored, uh, you know, part-time or as well as their main job? So how, what is the percentage or fraction, however you want to do it, of teachers, secondary school teachers in the UK that say um, they have done tutoring in addition? So that's your questions. Percentage of 11 to 16-year-olds that uh, tutored. Second question, what is the percentage in London? Third question, rich versus poor and the final one how many teachers secondary teachers have tutored so that's a little quiz for you um i'll repeat the questions later um for anyone who just kind of joins us late um and um 
and then I will go through the answers. But if you want to answer already, if you're listening and you haven't finally you're able to grab uh, your phone and message in, then I will make a note of your answers and I'll tell you later if you're right. I won't be able to tell you now because that will spoil it for everyone. But yeah, a bit, a bit of quiz, 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 quiz fun there, I thought, uh, on tutoring. So we are going to be discussing uh, with Laura in a moment um, private tutoring. So uh, we are just looking at the role of a private tutor with Laura and um, how that works and how it works for her on a personal level. So this is not just about um you know the students it's also about her as an adult as a mum um what are the what are the benefits of being a tutor um i've got a quick question i need to just stop here they are national questions yeah they're just to do with the uk i'm not sure where um hussein is uh where you're calling from hussein or where you're messaging from but yeah this is just just for the uk sorry i, I didn't make that very clear i keep forget oh he's from iran there you go sorry i i do forget sometimes in the comfort of my little flat here in London that we have listeners from across the globe. Um, so I should really have said, uh, this is just for UK. Okay, so I don't have any world figures, I'm afraid. But if you do get in touch, let me know what is what is tutoring like in Iran? What is tutoring like abroad? Um, we know about China now putting a stop to it. Uh, what are other countries attitudes would be interesting to know. I mean, I don't even know what the uh, British attitude is to it. Um, I don't know what people think. That's why we're doing the show, to find out. Um, you can Google it and you can find out some opinions, but I'd rather hear from you in person. Um, <clears throat> oh, no, Hussein says, no problem, I missed the chance of winning the mug. Well, you haven't missed the chance of winning the mug. You can either call in, uh, let us know what you teach, where, you, where you're calling from in Iran and what school you teach at, um, and have a quick chat with me live, and then you can get a mug. Or potentially, if you get all the quiz questions right, um, we may feel the need to send you out a mug as well. So thank you for joining us and being interactive. That is what we are all about here at Teachers Talk Radio. So you can um, obviously listen to us on the Podbean. Uh, you can also listen to us through the website. You can also listen back to shows through the website or through Spotify uh, or through Podbean. All the shows become podcasts. Ah, right. Now, Miss Sorcha, I'm sorry if that's not how you pronounce your name, but Miss Sorcha. Uh, has uh, put her answers in for the quiz. So I'm just having a look at what she thinks. Mm, interesting figures, interesting figures. Uh, yeah, let's just clarify that there are, I think there are five answers we're looking for. Number one is percentage of 11 to 16 year olds that have been tutored nationally. Number two is percentage of 11 to 16 year olds in London, which I think you've done. And the third one is what is the percentage of rich and poor which is kind of three and four. And then the fifth one is kind of how many teachers have been tutored. So I'm not sure if Miss Sorcher, if you missed the last question there uh, or you misnumbered it wrong. But anyway, um, I like what you've done there. I like that. Oh, yes, she's she's just done it wrong. So great. There we go. So I've got already got a nice bit of a, um entrance to the competition uh, and some good guesses. And so what we'll do when I give the answers is we'll unpick them and we'll see whether how far people are out uh, how far uh, in, you know, how close people are to getting it right. And then what that tells us, how, how much we know about this, uh, thanks to the Sutton Trust's data. Now, the other thing, of course, is when I was researching the show is when you need to know uh, the effect of something or uh, you're looking at a technique in teaching, 
then the best place to look really for, well, the first place to look for some decent evidence base is the EEF, which if you don't know, is the Education Endowment Fund, and they provide bags and bags of studies and research into the effectiveness of teaching. And they do lots and lots of work on looking at studies uh, for different measurements, and they call it effect size. So something they compare the price that something costs a school to initiate versus the impact it will have on the kids. And then you get an effect size and a cost. And then they rank things, whether something is high, uh, high impact, but expensive. Uh, so something like um, tutoring, for example, they would say is high impact, um, but quite a moderate cost. It, it could be quite expensive. But the National Tutor Programme obviously is making that cheaper or free in some cases. Um, and then obviously what they also do is they talk about things that are very low cost, uh, but have high impact, which is the kind of golden goose that we all want, such as metacognition um, would be one of those that doesn't really cost you anything to do metacognition, but is very high, impactful, um, as well as feedback. That's another one. Um, but you also then look at things that are low impact and high cost. So if you don't know anything about the EEF, I strongly recommend you check their website out because it will really um, give you a good evidence base for talking about what is what is effective and what isn't. I mean, that's only, only there's only, only one of a lot of places you can look. Um, so I started by looking at a bit of what they say about tutoring um, and their figures say it can add five months of learning. So good tutoring uh, can add five months of learning to a child's education. Um, which is why they say it's high impact. Um, and obviously, it, it, but it does also say they've got to have kind of, it, it's even more effective if they've got low prior attainment or if they're struggling. So let's just say, you know, a, a high flying student um, has one-to-one -one tuition at school, then yes, it might improve them a little bit, but not a lot. Um, whereas in schools, um, those that are low prior attainment or struggling, they are the ones that make the biggest jumps, although that is school based. So maybe private tutoring um, would be different, but then we'd have no way of um, measuring it. So that is that. Um, they also say on the EEF that it is more likely to succeed if it is linked to their curriculum. So, again, with any sort of tutoring, it's no good if it's random uh, and it doesn't reinforce what the students are already learning in school um, or linked to a topic that they're currently studying um, because you know even if it's I suppose you could argue it's it's kind of interweaving isn't it from other topics but um, but the idea is that it should it should allow the student to discuss and think about and grapple with topics that or questions or concepts that they're currently studying um, and so it should complement the curriculum rather than go against it. So that that really surprised me, that one. Um, but I'd be interested to know if, if people think their schools, that it is done that way, or is it just a bit ad hoc? Um, and the last thing that the EF say is that <clears throat> for, for tutoring or one-to-one -one teaching, one-to-one -one tutoring, for it to have the optimum amount of impact, what they recommend is from their studies, is that students should do about 30 minutes, which is interesting, not longer than that, um, three to five times a week. Uh, and they say for a minimum of about 10 weeks. 
So again, it's all this, this all this kind of thinking around short, sharp bursts, um, because obviously students can't maintain you know, enthusiasm or concentration for anything that is too long because they'll just get bored. Um, but it's also about regular frequency and retrieval and, and recapping. So doing it a few times a week is more likely to have an impact than once a week, or then they might miss a session and then you've then you're two weeks. So again, none of that really is rocket science. None of that really majorly surprised me. Um, it was all kind of, it all kind of backed up what I thought, but maybe there's people out there that are surprised. So um, that's what the EEF say. So after the, uh, we're going to have a listen to uh, Laura now, and Laura was going to call in live, but unfortunately she does do her tutoring at this time uh, after school, because obviously she can't tutor during the day. Um, so she does have um, some students she's tutoring live right now. So what I did was Laura was really, really kind and said, I'd love to still tell the listeners all about it. Can I can I do a, a pre-recorded interview? So I did a pre-recorded interview with Laura um, a couple of days ago. Uh, she gave me a, a nice a chunk of her time. Uh, so listen in carefully, make any notes you want to make of anything you want to um, bring up with me when the interview finishes, or you can text in live whilst the interview is going on. Um, but obviously you can't really call in. Uh, during the interview because I won't be able to take the call because it's a pre-recorded interview. But anyway, have a little listen. Um, there's lots to chew on uh, and she's a really interesting person to hear from. Right. Okay. So um, today I'm joined by uh, Laura Callas, who is a, a dance teacher from Hertfordshire, who is also, um, she's a part-time dance teacher, but she's also a private tutor in her own time. So, Laura, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Um, so, Laura, just um, tell us a little bit about uh, your journey uh, to where you are now, sort of a bit of your background in teaching. Um, so, I started teaching um, about 21 years ago. Uh, that's when I did my training and trained as a dance teacher. Uh, but because my degree was in dance and English, I started doing some English tutoring as well. And it sort of started as a bit of a favour for someone and developed from there. Mm -hmm. um, once I'd qualified, I taught at a, a school in Himes Park for about eight years uh, as a full-time dance teacher and then left there to go on maternity and have my first son. So really it stemmed from there because I was trying to find something where I could be with uh, my child all day but also have a bit of income and keep my brain active and do something for me so that was really why I went in, down the teaching route because it was something I could do in the evening when my husband came home um, and mm -hmm. he could take over the role the parental role okay yeah good and so then when you so you had your first child and the tutoring you were doing was it um what subject were you do, doing at that point so actually it turned out predominantly math. So I started doing a bit of English, but that soon went on to a student who wanted English and maths. And then more and more call came for the maths really. And that's always been um, the subject that I get most inquiries about. And mm. ironically, because maths wasn't necessarily uh, my degree subject, but it, I much prefer teaching maths than I do English. Um, so I tend to, pick the people that want the maths rather than the English okay. because it is one of those things if I've got a choice someone wants maths someone wants English with the maths there's a right and a wrong so it's much yeah. easier to teach yeah. someone help them go through that logical process of how to get to the answer 
as opposed to teaching someone um, how to write well and, and yeah. sort of encouraging them to read and increasing their vocabulary. Um, but it is actually a real, real mixed bag. But the majority, I'd say, um, is maths. Yeah, that's interesting. So I was just about to say, but how, why is that easier? But you've kind of explained that. I guess you haven't got to worry about inference and it, it, there's a lot of stuff if someone doesn't, re you know, their reading comes into it, doesn't it? Whereas the maths, you're just teaching them a, a theory to apply and practice, I guess, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, the nice thing with maths and the thing that I like about tutoring is there's always sort of a couple of ways to get to the answer. And um, yeah. in schools, I know they do sort of cover all these different methods and then they leave it down to the pupil to sort of find the right the right method for them. But I think when you're tutoring, because you're on that one-to-one -one level, you can really, really decipher what works for the individual child. And you can go through so many different explanations to sort of get to that answer and find yeah. what clicks with them. Yeah, and English is just much harder from that point yeah. of view. So is there a is there a sort of common what's your top top uh, one or two things that people struggle with in maths? What's your, what's the thing that they or is there something that they always struggle with, like fractions Absolutely. or is this... it is fractions, decimals, <laughs> percentages, and the biggest thing that people <laughs> cannot comprehend is reverse percentages, where you know if some the price of something <laughs> if it's decreased or increased, but they cannot find the original answer. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's so weird because. That is so weird because I'm absolutely terrible at maths, but, you know, percentages, I've never really had a problem. Fractions, yeah, I get that. But it's so weird because percentages seem so, so normal, but obviously it isn't yeah. to these kids. No, it's just one of those things. And so that's interesting what you said there about the difference between um, teaching one-to-one. -one. So that's kind of what we're talking about today. So if anybody wants to get in touch with um messaging me or um laura today then please pop it in the chat and when obviously this call finishes um please feel free to call in um and if you are a tutor or you're interested in tutoring you've got experience of it and you want to join the conversation um what i wanted to go back to laura was there when you were talking about the difference between having someone one-to-one -one and being able to explain it several times and the demands of 30 kids in a secondary school classroom um so what yeah. it is that in that way tutoring easier or harder or what do you think oh i definitely think it's easier to make progress right. it's easier to um it's more rewarding in the sense that you can see the progress made at a, a much quicker pace yeah. obviously when you've got 30 kids in the class of course you would hope that they would all make some sort of progress but it would be impossible for a teacher in an hour who's got 30 children all with varying needs all at varying abilities um to say that you can monitor those 30 kids progress in that one hour you you, no, you, can't, you can't do that no. it's impossible um and you have to speak to them as a collective when you're in the classroom and for half that class that might go in and that they might completely comprehend that and then you've got another half where that is just not you know not happening for them for whatever reason um it could be such a challenge for so many kids and unless it's like a um a class that's streamed and they're in sets and you're specifically dealing with a, a top set yeah. or a, a bottom set so that you can actually tell you, you still can't tailor make those needs because even within a, a lower ability group there's still so many challenges and those kids yeah really they they are going to benefit so much more on a one-to-one -one, especially yeah. something 
you know, like maths or English, one of those core subjects. No, for sure. And I mean, and that's, I guess, what makes the job so hard, isn't it, for, for everyone? And it doesn't matter what subject, how long you've been doing it for, the fact that 30 kids and they're all totally different is what makes teaching so difficult, I think. Um, yeah. So yeah. In, in terms of that, then, why my sort of devil's advocate question then is, why do you not just do tutoring then? Why why go back in the classroom if if tutoring is, is rewarding and you see the progress and it's easier in those ways? Why not just tutor all day long every day? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And that just comes with different stages of my life. Um, mm. As a female, as a mother, obviously before children, taught at a school all day long, absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved the job, loved having a form. Uh, lived and breathed it but then children come along and so the tutoring fitted in with them it fitted in with me being able to be a mother all day um yeah. four children so obviously that went on a little bit longer for me than <laughs> than others um but then I got to a stage last year where my youngest turned five he started reception I'm not the sort of person that could sit around all day five days a week so I wanted to get back into sort of teaching during the day because it gave me a chance to do something during the daytime um, yeah. and also that comes with being a mum is that my kids have loads of extracurricular clubs between them so fitting it in these days it, it just doesn't work to make well you know yeah. I just don't have three or four evenings a week where I can sort of start teaching at four and finish at, at no. nine because they need their dinner done they have their homework yeah, they yeah. have their clubs so that was really one of the main reasons that i went back into the classroom during the day a couple of days a week and do a couple of evenings tutoring and it was nice also for me to get back into a school and mix with other teachers again because yeah. that is the one downside of tutoring is right. it's quite lonely you don't speak to any adults it's just you mm. on your own and you're just speaking yeah. to kids so, but I guess um, the, the crux of this is if anyone's listening and, you know, want, is a part-time teacher or wants to be part-time and is worrying about money or thinking, could they get into tutoring? Obviously, Laura's given a lot of uh, tips and advice, but clearly, obviously, you have to do that after four o'clock because the kids are in school, aren't they? And then yes, you, you're kind of absolutely. giving up your you give up your evenings, but then you have your daytimes free. So especially for people who are parents or mothers specifically, then um, it works well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can only do it in the evenings or um, during the school Weekends. day. Yeah, Weekends. unless you're lucky enough to get any, you know, homeschoolers. I did have a couple of homeschoolers that I did in the day, but they're quite few and far between. Mm. And then, so uh, what was my next question going to be? So in terms of the kids, without obviously you're not going to talk about individuals necessarily, but in terms of uh, the kids, you must have taught, taught hunt, tutored hundreds of children now over the mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Um, is it a mixed bag of abilities um and and backgrounds or is it does it tend to be the same sort of high ability kids that you're just helping get to the top grades no it's it's a real mixed bag it, it's a totally mixed bag um i would say i've got those kids that come to me i i've literally had someone come to me on a grade two um right. wanting to pass his exam and literally came to me in the january after sitting his year 11 mocks that he'd failed right. terribly and expecting me to sort of turn him around by the May yeah. um, to having someone 
um, coming to me maybe on a grade seven, but really wanted to get the grade eight or the grade nine. So it's a complete mixed bag. You get children with, um, you know, a, on the on the spectrum, um, on the autistic spe spectrum. Yeah. Um, you've got children with different um, learning difficulties, and then you've got complete you know mainstream kids and you've got really high achievers uh, whose parents just want to push really particularly towards the last year of their year 11. Right yeah I was going to say that was my next question yeah. what is it is it you know if I was to you know tutor might get a tutor for my own children I'd, I'd be now thinking well I might do that when they're in year 11 I might do that for the last push if you like so does do they tend to be that kind of age range or do you teach uh, younger do you know ones? What? There's been a massive shift. So going back, you know, a long time ago when I first started it, let's even say it was sort of 20 odd years ago, um, I had lots of year sixes. And I think it's when the SAT started yeah. and parents panicked and they, you know, the SAT seemed like this massive thing and get your tutor. It's almost like they were trying to get them through an 11 plus or, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, some sort of entrance exam. That's really calmed down massively right. calmed down and and it is much more um secondary school yeah much more secondary school based children so when you i'm interested in this in terms of i mean there may be people listening who are tutors or uh, know this anyway but just out of curiosity as someone who doesn't know a lot about it what do you do when they come to you so if i came to you now as a you know a grade six student do you do any kind of baseline in yourself or does the student or the parent say to you right his teachers have said um, he's rubbish, at blah, blah, blah. We want you to fix that. Or do you do your own kind of baselining sort of first session to see where they're at? Yeah, I would most definitely do my own. Right. I would, I always, always really appreciate anything from the school, any reports. Um, quite often the the parent may email the teacher and say, you know, we're thinking of getting a tutor. Are there any tips that, you, you know, right. yeah, areas yeah. that you think could be improved upon? And so I always sort of work alongside the school, though the school potentially don't know that. Every single lesson, um, no matter even if I've been teaching a child for three years, I say, right, what are you doing in maths at the moment? What are you doing in school at the moment? What have you done this week? So that I know... Mm -hmm um you get quite good at preempting what they're going to do next so i get quite good at preempting the next subject to teach them or the next topic to teach them so then they go yeah. into school that next lesson and they're like oh my god we did this and i did that with yeah know, I, I suppose it's confidence that. confidence isn't it for them absolutely but no I, i'd always work alongside what they've done um I may say to them, if they're in sort of year 10 or 11, right, here's an exam paper. Can you show me what you, you know, take it home, do what you can yeah. do, and then use that as a bit of a base um, yeah. and work from there, really. Yeah, that's, or, or that's find interesting. out what grade they're at and then cover all the maths topics on that grade. Or if it's English, um, yeah, get them to do, um, you know, maybe an unseen, maybe give them um a language paper which they don't you know they don't need to have studied the text for yeah so i was going to say as well because i i dabbled in tutoring but i didn't do it for very long i did it for for about four or five weeks and then i realized it wasn't for me because i found the one-to-one -one nature of it quite difficult um but what um how would you 
like if if someone came to you and and said right um i really need help with with this certain area let's say mm-hmm. yeah. um do you do you then you know look look at the spec or do you just have your own kind of sort of techniques or skills that you think right i'm going to teach them this method because i know this works or do you know, do you know what i mean or I do think, you yeah i do you know what i think it just comes with experience i think it's hard to think back to to myself sort of 15 20 years ago and i think because i've been doing it for so long now yeah you've kind of got all your tools so you just it feels very natural i don't think i give it that much no. thought because i naturally think oh yeah right okay and i've taught so many students that i genuinely mm. know the way that works yeah um but i've always got a couple of other methods up my sleeve for those where the penny is just not dropping no and so that's the beauty of it is that you have got the time to go don't worry about it don't worry about it at all if that way doesn't work then you know there's another method that we can try uh, well, what about um, what about sort of sorry what about silent time how, how long do, how long are your sessions an hour or half an hour majority are an hour i've got i've just got one girl at the moment that does half an hour the rest of them are all an hour so if it's in an hour time, yeah but do you because that was what i found difficult i remember what i was going to say now that i found it he was doing english this boy and i thought right i need to give him five minutes where he he attempts a paragraph and yeah. I would just sit there in silence. Do you do, you do that or, or are you talking the whole hour? No, 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 not at all. I'm not talking the whole hour. Um, and quite often I will say to their, get them to tell me how to do it as well. Right. So they can always learn, particularly yeah, with maths. Yeah. I'd say, right, you tell me, tell me as though you're the teacher. How are you doing that? How's your brain working? You know, what's the method yeah. that you would use? With English, it is more difficult because it's much yeah. longer. That they're sitting there writing. So I've got one student and I will give him the written work to do, which he does at home and then brings it to me the next lesson so that I right. am not wasting their time yeah. and their money. That's what I was um, going to say, yeah. Yeah, because from that point of view, um, you can sit there for a long while. But other than that, um yeah the the max is sort of five to ten minutes i'll be making notes on them i will be researching other things for them to be doing so i'm always working i'm not just kind of sitting no 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 i just i just think it's weird because when you're you are one-to-one compared to 30 kids of course you're always your attention is always pulled in millions of directions but when you've got one and you say right five minutes you've got five minutes now to do this i would literally be like looking around feeling awkward because it feels so alien but yeah, it I think feels weird. once again it's just a real case that you get used to it it's um I'm so used to it now that it doesn't um I don't really register it so how long so the next I wanted to, to sort of get into the idea of is because I'm I've, some of these these questions are based on for anyone who's interested on the there was a report by the EEF um I don't can't remember when it came out but fairly recently about tutoring and the impact of it and that tutoring is actually not in the private tutoring sense that Laura does it, but but tutoring, you know, one to one tuition being quite very high for impact, but expensive uh, for schools to do because you're using one person. But in their research, it says um, a to link it to the curriculum, which you've already said you do um, to mm-hmm. make it effective. But the other thing is, it says um, the regularity that you need to do it in there in the research, it says half an hour three to five four times a week 
for up to 10 weeks. So how long do you normally sort of take someone on and then they leave you? What's the sort of length of time you? Oh, it can vary. It varies right. massively. And I think that's down to parenting. Um, I can get, I had a student in year four that I saw through to year 11. Um, and wow. then I've also had someone that's literally come to me, like I say, after their awful mock results and they've panicked in year 11. And then I've had them for like the four or five months to try and do a quick turnaround and just up them a grade or two. Yeah. Um, so, so it does massively vary. Most students have one hour per week. I've got a couple at the moment that have an hour every other week because we've really got them on top of where they need to be. So it's almost right. just keeping, yeah, keeping yeah. them at that grade. They, they're, they're not desperate measures. They don't, if they came for um, an hour a week, I would be started to teach them loads of new stuff they haven't done in the classroom. And although it's quite nice to get a little bit ahead for confidence, I don't want them to be bored at school. And if no, I taught them everything, no. it's not fair on their teachers if they're, no. you know, oh, it's counterproductive, isn't it? It's counterproductive Absolutely. because then the point is you are a booster rather than their main teacher. And then they just sit there yeah. saying they've done it all before. And so I'm just be... really honest with the parents. I'm not going to take their money and use up their time if I don't think it's necessary for the kids. Um, equally, I've got one girl, you know, half an hour for her, half an hour a week is enough because. Like I said, well, it's equivalent, isn't it, to an hour a fortnight. It's enough just to say, right, what did you do today? What were you struggling with? Let's clear that up. And we yeah, do that yeah. each week. Um, yeah, just and I guess like, those little misconceptions are the things that are hard as a classroom teacher to deal with because you've got 30 kids and you don't know. It's this this sort of, you know, hidden hidden lives of learners that, um, that Graham Nuttall wrote a whole book about where we don't really know what kids know or, or have missed you know you don't you can't pick that up no. but i guess you can then sort of fill those gaps and they can be honest with you and say look we did this thing but i didn't really get it can you go over it yeah with and you know i've had kids that were particularly poorly for a long period of time at primary school well then they've missed those major um mm you know number number formations number bonds just the, the basics the building blocks and so of yeah. course nothing stacks on top of each other because no. you know I had a particular girl she had nearly you know over a period of a year she was just in and out of hospital so um it was no wonder that at secondary school she was falling massively behind she needed to go back and do all the basic numeracy again um so yeah so it, it completely varies and so is there a have you noticed the COVID COVID impact then in terms of that? Do you do you have people, you know, you coming know, to you because of that actually, or not? Well, the opposite initially. So when COVID hit, um, I just obviously had a couple of parents saying, you know, they're not coming under the circumstances, yeah. that was absolutely yeah. fine. All went completely quiet. And then because uh, the exams were CAGs and tags and mm. what have you instead um all my students just didn't bother their parents just said oh you know it's fine we're going to leave it and I was yeah. really shocked I thought yeah. that they would be wanting yeah. me to be doing something so they didn't have to Extra, do it yeah 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 and I think the um they just had this assumption that oh it didn't really matter because they weren't going to sit an exam anyway and, and the same kind of went for the summer just gone like 2021 20, as well um things did come come back a little bit and I you know as I tried to explain 
they all need to be doing their very best all the time at the moment. So if anything, it's it's more important. I think um, we know that as a kind of um, stereotype, boys tend to be lazier and then they try to they do their mocks, they get a shock and then they try and pull it out the bag and cram it yeah. in the summer. Girls tend to be much steadier. And so what I was trying to say to my male students is this is the time, you know, you've got to be working at a consistent pace because your teachers are collecting data and, you know, they need, yeah. you can't pull it out of the bag anymore on the day. No, no. So I think things, things are going back, things are going back a little bit, but they yeah. have moved, moved in a slightly different, different way just because of examinations. Mm. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because because in terms of society, you know, really school is is there to provide, you know, an education all around, you know, supposedly. But the actual reality is, you know, parents send their kids to school to get grades, to get jobs, to get to college, you know. And in that way, when the tags and the cags came along, it's kind of people saying, well, they've done enough to get the grade. It doesn't matter that they've not read another text or you know not explored yeah. the you know so there's that cynical sort of thing of actually it, if somebody going to pay a tutor to help a kid get an extra grade when actually the the, the teachers are kind of well, not making it up but you know what i mean they don't need that evidence the same um no. because but really and truly morally you'd think one of the kids still needs to learn it but actually maths especially they, they just need to get the grades don't they i guess um yeah and i think do you know what if i do get kids coming to me in year 11 that is really what we're doing is past papers we are learning the questions what the questions are asking really you yeah. are teaching, teaching yeah. to pass an, an exam of course yeah yeah um yeah no that that's that's an interesting one so um i won't keep you too much longer there's a few other little things i wanted to just unpick um first of all would be to say you know would you uh what are the the pros and cons of private tutoring so would you recommend it to people or are there some things you would say uh caveats to say okay be careful if you think you know it's an easy money earner etc like what, what are the sort of pros and cons of it really um, I would say there's definitely more pros than cons. Um, you can do it in your own home. You can mm -hmm. go out and I used to do home visits, but then um, I just decided it was, it, you know, it's more lucrative, I guess, if you can do back to back in your own home, you're not spending all that time traveling and fuel and then yeah. add on fuel to their cost to the parents as well. Um, yeah. Plus, I found that kids learn much, much better in my home, in my office space when they were in their own home, the dog was around, the cat was around, the children, yeah, the other brothers yeah. and sisters were, you know, poking fun that they had to do extra work. So yes. definitely I would say I would recommend tutoring in your own home, um, unless that person had a, a quiet space. Yeah. Um, you can do it at times that fit around you. So for example, you know, I've got one girl and she knows it will either be at this time or this time, or I can say, oh, do you mind if we just push it back half an hour? You know, as long as I've given enough notice, it can yeah. very much fit around me and my busy schedule, which not many jobs can, you know, you've got fixed times and, and that's that really. Yeah. Um, what I would say is, yes, it can, it's good money as well, but you can't take it on face value for that one hour. You can, or if you do that, you're not going to be as 
an effective tutor as if you do spend time planning prior. So yes, right, it looks right. great money per hour, but I, I mean, I used to spend ridiculous time planning. I, I've scaled it down slightly, but I definitely yeah. give it students some time looking what they do, printing yeah. off past papers, um, you know, researching yes, it myself. So if it's a, yeah. an English paper, I want to read that and I want to write a model answer for myself. Right. So that yeah, sure. Together. Um, so if you want to get effective results and you want to be an effective tutor, it's not just that one hour you do need to put in. Right, like yeah. you do with teaching. Um, yeah. The better I've planned, the better my lesson and the better I feel about it. Of course, um, which is like teaching, isn't it? Same, it is. It's exactly like teaching. I and then the only other thing, I mean, I think a, a pro to it as well is you create some really lovely relationships and it's mm. really, really rewarding to see the progress that's made. They come into you and they go, oh, you know, that test I had at school last week, I got the highest in the class. And, you know, you just think, well, you know, you did that together. I've I've done it because mm. I've explained it, but they've done it because they've invested the time in it as well. Um, but the, the only con I would say to it is that it's it can be a little bit lonely. And I don't mean, I only mean that in the sense of once you're back in the workplace, in the staff room with other colleagues and other people to bounce off of, um, mm. that can be quite nice. Whereas um, when I'm, it's just me and the students, there's, you know, there's no one else, it's just me. Mm. But I, I mean, yeah. I think that would be it, really. I think it's a great thing to do if you've got the qualification and you've yeah. got the patience and it and it ties in. And particularly if you're a parent, too. Yeah, it's 100%. I think patience was one thing I probably didn't have. And also, <laughs> <laughs> also, I blatantly just did exactly what you described, which is saw it as a quick. All right. Well, I'll, you know, get a bit of extra uh, money oh, here. Yeah, and yeah. I'll turn up. <laughs> I know enough about English. I've got an A level in it, you know, and I just, I just didn't realize, but listening to you now, I realize it has to be actually structured and planned. And that takes up some of the time that you're talking about, you know, 30 pounds, whatever you charge an hour, you have obviously got to factor in a bit of, you know, prep time, I guess, as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. And being on top of making notes at the end of each lesson, yeah. because, you know, having all these kids, you go the next week and you can't go, oh, sorry, what were you doing again? Yeah, what, yeah. What, where were we up to? You know, I have to keep keep notes and they've each got a file. Um, so well, obviously I, you're very, I must, you know, you're not going to say this, but you obviously are very effective because you've been doing it for a long time. Uh, but what... Um, What's your biggest success? You spoke about that child who came to you on a grade two. Presumably they didn't get like a grade six by June because it's not possible. But No, absolutely. They did get their grade four. It was a struggle, but they did get their grade four. That's, that's still two um, grades, though, isn't it? That's two grades improved. That is two grades. I did have someone that got a grade two for their mock, and I only got them up to a grade three for their GCSE. But that, I mean, we had for four months um you can't work miracles and if that person's on a grade two already sometimes it's because cognitively their brain just doesn't work like mm -hmm. that so you can yeah. only do what you can do um but yeah i've probably the most biggest achievement is pushing someone up three grades from their predicted wow yeah i mean obviously there's other factors like you say isn't there their own work ethic the teacher's input and all of that but i think um you know if you if you're averaging a, at least a grade 
you know, oh, extra. at least a grade, yeah. I can guarantee, you know, pretty yeah. much guarantee someone could come and you could push them up a grade. And Which I think that, brilliant. you know, most people could do that. It's investing that time. It's for them having the one-to-one, -one, someone sitting explaining yeah. it to them. Yeah, that's and do you, think that's, do you think that's part of it, that it's not necessarily, I'm not saying you're not a good tutor, obviously brilliant, but do you think also for that student, it's just that weekly check-in as much as anything you're specifically teaching them it's half an hour or an hour of refocusing them looking at their work going over what they've done you know yeah absolutely them. i think you know i'll be the first to admit if i've got a class and there's a couple of class clowns in there you they do distract they do disrupt yeah. the class and so you know your your um discipline can be a you know can be really good but you, you're still going to have to have those moments where you're you're not accepting this behavior and you're sending someone out and then someone else needs a toilet pass and someone else needs, you know and it takes up time and then you're going to try and explain it um but you're explaining it and you might be a bit hit up and a bit stressed because of whatever or and and so you can't guarantee that every single lesson that you teach and that you've got a class of 30 is going to be effective it's no. not gonna it's not going to be you no. try your very very best and and as i said before maybe like 50 percent of that class come away and they go yeah, yeah yeah got that got that um but on that one-to-one -one, you're looking at how that particular child's mind works mm. and, and we're all so different and i think yeah. that's the thing it's just someone investing that time and being patient and explaining in several different ways until the penny drops which a class yeah. teacher just does not no. have time to no. do and that, and that penny drop moment you you might see it with an individual if you're lucky you sometimes get it with you know a bigger a whole class i've had it very rarely but i can remember you know you do something there's like that moment where they all go all oh, right now yeah. but yeah. that's like you know dead poet society or that's like some you know moment like in hollywood where that happens it's not really the it's not a day-to-day -day experience, I would say, of most teachers. I may, maybe I'm wrong. Please call in if you disagree. But unless you're an inspirational teacher that has those penny drops every day, then well done. But um, but I suppose that's a good reward of tutoring is that you are getting those those moments. Yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. And, and, and they're frequent. They're really frequent. You can have many of those in an hour's lesson. Yeah. I mean, maybe TAs might say they, they kind of have that experience. If they're working one-to-one -one with someone, perhaps they they might yeah. get that I, I i don't know i don't know maybe i should do a show with some tas to find out but um but that's brilliant um the final question before i let you go laura and, and we'll have a bit more of a discussion about this um when laura goes after the news we'll get into this in more detail um but if if you are if your new job that you've started now that you've I, I, you spoke to me earlier before today about how that's growing do you see yourself not doing the tutoring or do you think it's something you're always going to do uh, it's a tough one because I love it. I absolutely mm. love it. And if it wasn't for my children's growing extracurricular clubs, um, I probably would just be devoting um, several nights a week, sort of three, four nights a week to doing it. Um, but it's logically makes sense for me to be doing some teaching during the day. Um, will I? I think I'll always keep my finger in the pie is right. my answer i yeah. think because it's something that um 
you need to be you need to be constantly keeping up you can't take a break from it and then come back to it because things are changing with the national yeah. curriculum all the time yeah, you know sure. since i've been tutoring and out of education we've changed from the grade a bc to then one to yeah. nine and i had to do all of that research on my own everything yeah. has changed GCSE maths started to incorporate AS stuff into it everything all the boundaries moved so then there was new yeah. topics that I hadn't taught which I had to teach myself so um obviously the English, I suppose it, it's set text as well with English isn't it you've got to know text, every the time they change the, change the novel or yeah oh absolutely and also that's that is one thing I would say about tutoring you have to be covering all exam boards because you can have right. pupils coming to you from anywhere yeah, so you've got to be covered for you know aqa oh, yeah 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 so i need to know what what um the tech set texts are for each of those and also how their exam papers are set out and how their questions award different amount of marks yeah of course because the grade boundaries is one thing isn't it but if you you know a six marker you need to know what that actually means you need to look at past sample materials don't you because you can't start saying to a one of your students oh yeah I'll get, i would give you six if you know yeah that's and you're not going to say oh let's work on question four because that's your 20 marker that's the big one and they're like no not on my paper <laughs> i don't have a question four you know you've got to be on you know you've got to be on top of it if you're taking people's money and, and you want results yeah. Yeah. you need to know yeah you need to have done your research so yeah i think i'll always keep my finger in the pie um because it is it's something that i love doing and it's always something that i can fall back on you can fall back Brilliant. on it whenever you want i think through it's one of those jobs i've never had to advertise it's just all through word of mouth um you just get inquiries all the time so you it's quite nice to sort of go oh yeah actually i will take on a little bit more or yeah no you know yeah. i am actually full at the moment so no that's brilliant okay well i think laura thank you for your time um i think what you have done i think is really shine a light on tutoring in terms of it isn't it isn't super super easy you've you've really clearly explained and i hope the listeners have enjoyed um hearing how you've talked about it if you if people are interested you definitely would know more now um, but at the same time, you've also given it a good sell in terms of what a lot of the advantages, particularly working around being a mum or, you know, having a, a, a life outside of teaching or, you know, people, there's lots of people who want to teach um, and do other things. So I think that's um, a really sort of flexible, the flexibility is probably a big part of it, isn't it? So um, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, Laura. Um, thanks for joining us. Good luck with all your dance teaching and your tutoring. No and, worries um, at all. Thank you for having and, me. Uh, no, no, you're welcome. Thanks for your time and um, stay in touch with Teacher Talk Radio. Will do. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was Laura there. Sorry, a little bit of a mic issue. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was Laura Callas. So my just big shout out to Laura to say thank you again for her time. Um, and we're back. Uh, we're live. We still are live. We always were live. But uh, that pre-recorded interview is now finished. So I'm open to any callers or any messages uh, where people want to join the conversation or add uh, to uh, the comments that Laura's made or expand upon them about tutoring. After news, we will also be talking about the NTP, the National Tutor Programme. How is that working in your school? Uh, do, are you uh, a believer that it's going to really have impact or do you think it's just 
um, money being thrown at something without any proper thought or planning. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit after news. And also we will be giving you the answers to the quiz questions. Uh, and we've had a few people messaging with their answers and their guesses. So I'll just reiterate what those questions are again. Uh, so if you're just joining me, which I know we had a few people joining me now as it gets a bit later in the day and it becomes dark and people are probably clocking off from school and, and tuning into Teach Talk Radio, uh, you may well have missed the questions. So I'm going to give you the quiz questions and then you've got, you can listen, think about it during the news and the ads um, and then see how accurate you were. So question one was what percentage of 11 to 16 year olds in the UK have been tutored? Uh, and then the second question is how is that number different uh, for students in London? So it's two percentages there, national percentage, of 11 16 year olds and then the second question is how does that change for london does it go down does it go up what do you think uh question three is what percentage of uh, tutors, uh students tutored are are of the rich privileged background question four is what percentage of poor background uh and then the last question is what fraction or percentage do a fraction if you want um of teachers secondary school uh, uh admit to doing tutoring privately in addition to their normal job, um, which obviously helps them financially and, and and other might just be something they do uh, because they're part time or, or whatever or they've got free time to do. So those are why well, I will answer. I promise to answer all those questions um, which were provided by the Sutton Trust. So thank you to the Sutton Trust for giving us that data. And then we will unpick the answers to that, what that means. Uh, we'll compare it to some of the guesses that people have texted in. Um, and we will take it from there. So don't go away because I am coming back um, after the news with Gail. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to the Education Authority in Northern Ireland, 18 out of 38 post-primary schools have fewer than 500 pupils, 
and this is unsustainable. The Education Authority has placed the cost of teaching a pupil at 30 to 80% higher for a relatively small school compared to a larger school. The EA's draft plan for the next five years also highlights a need for 2,000 additional places for pupils in special schools, many of which have a shortage of places. The strategic plan for 2022 to 2027 states, while aiming to support sustainable rural provision, there are still too many small, unsustainable schools. There may be some local circumstances where provision will be necessary, but the determination of this will be subject to consultation, assessment and rationale for provision. In Nottinghamshire, there is mounting concern over a rise in children missing lessons as statistics show a 111% increase in school refusers between autumn 2020 and summer 2021. 125 pupils refused to attend school compared to 59 the previous year and there were also 157 pupils missing as a result of mental health issues a rise of 63%. Councillor Jim Creamer said, these are very high percentage numbers. It is definitely going in the wrong direction. What has gone wrong and what are we doing to address these figures? It does concern me about mental health because of COVID. There are going to be serious issues in more formative years. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that face masks have made lip reading impossible and cover up facial expressions. They are urging parents of deaf children across England to email the Education Secretary, Nadeem Sahawi, to raise the issue. The NDCS want the government to provide clear face coverings in schools and colleges with deaf pupils. The government is set to review the use of face masks in secondary schools and colleges in England on January the 26th. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week Steve has lost his voice. So I am going to take a look at visualizing in the classroom. Before I begin, this is not about which product is best and comparing brands and features. This is about what you need to consider to make the best choice for your school or department. Visualizing in the classroom, in my opinion, is getting something that would be difficult to see into a format that a whole class can see more easily. This may be a live moving image or a still image. Also, it may be projected onto a large screen or cast out to multiple devices. The whole idea is it makes something small more accessible. The list of devices that can do this is huge, but they fall, roughly, into three categories. Visualizers, document cams and webcams. What is the difference? In sport the definition of fitness is the ability to cope with the environment around you. When you are purchasing a device, this is what you need to consider. Don't just buy one because someone else uses it and says it's amazing. Their environment may be totally different to yours. The factors that are going to affect your purchase are cost, size, software, portability, features, and what you already have in terms of audio-visual equipment. 
Lighting is sometimes overlooked and depending on what you are capturing can make a huge difference. Starting with the most expensive option, the visualizer. Generally, classroom visualizers come with a large footprint meaning they take up a lot of desk space. They tend to have a high-quality downward-facing camera, lighting built-in top-down and even sometimes a backlit bed. They tend to allow control from the unit so there will be little or no need to move away from the device to operate. This may be useful if a lot of time is spent using the device or furniture obstructs movement. A lot of visualizers are also standalone, meaning they work independently of your computer. However, additional software can be installed to further augment the experience. Document cameras tend to be less expensive, have a smaller footprint and be more portable compared to visualizers. However, they usually have less features and need a computer to use them. Although they are plug and play, there is normally additional software available that will provide the ability to capture still and moving images, zoom in and out like a visualizer, but normally control is via the computer it is attached to. Generally, they do not feature built-in lighting, but tend to have a built-in microphone. The cheapest option, the webcam is plug and play and may have additional software. However, the previous devices are designed for projecting something desk-based to an audience. The webcam is designed to work in a different way, but can be more versatile, especially if you move rooms frequently. You need a computer to plug it into. Some come with flexible arms and a base you can plug it into, but like the document cam, they are restricted by the length of the USB cable. Now we have an idea of what the devices are capable of. The next question is what do you already have? Do you have an interactive board? If so, imaging a pupil's book with a cheaper webcam and using pinch zoom and annotation may do the job. Or in a bright setting, an HD webcam may do the trick. In the past, the rule was the higher the price, the better quality of image. Today, that isn't necessarily so. My conclusion is before you spend out, do your research and consider the fitness of the device for your environment and your value for money. And please talk to your school technical support before you purchase anything. Sometimes devices are not compatible with school networks. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods' screen reader, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, yeah, great. So thanks to Gail with the news this week, and thanks to Steve's tech briefing. Very uh, unusual. Obviously, that isn't Steve's normal voice. It's quite nice, though, for him to do it in that techie way and have his screen reader um, reading out that. That was quite cool. I like that. Um, and also, again, with Steve's two-minute tech, which I thought was fascinating, is the fact that you take these sort of things for granted, don't you? I'll just get a visualizer, plug it in, when actually there are other ways of doing it. And it is a good point that he makes. You need to make sure it uh, works for you, not just because someone else is doing it or the school's bought 50 of them. Um, yeah, make what works for you. And also, yeah, a good advice to check before you order anything because there are all sorts of gremlins in the machine that will stop uh, compatibility issues, uh, patches necessary, etc. So, yeah, they're good, though, Steve Tech, two-minute techs. I like them. I hope we, we keep doing those. So um, just to recap, we are talking about tutoring. We've discussed private tutoring with my guest, Laura Callas. So thanks again to Laura for joining us. We've also touched upon and we'll maybe get some time now to discuss uh, the National Tutoring Programme launched in November. And there was a really good article on the TES, uh, which I found online from April uh, last year, where um, they were talking about the t this NHNTP and will it actually help? Uh, now it's been going a few months. Uh, I'd be interested to know if anybody what anybody thinks about it. Is it having an impact on those students? Can you see that yet? Is it too early? Do students turn up? How do you manage it, etc.? So, uh, if you want, I've retweeted that article uh, on my Twitter feed, which is at tripataka seventy four. Um, so you can have a look at it and read it. Um, but it's by Irene Barker, Irina Barker, sorry. Uh, so that's quite a good article talking about some of the pros and cons of it and why it was put in because of COVID and well, the fact that we're not going to know whether it's worked really until the, until the end. But at least we'll have a load of data. Um, so, and Laura talked about private tutoring. She said some of the pros are the flexibility of it, 
the relationships you build with your students and that it's quite rewarding to see their progress and also highlighted some of the issues that people need to be aware of which are that you need to remember to put in planning time so if it's 30 pound an hour that does not just mean the hour that you're tutoring you may have to do some time outside of that uh, and you need to keep on top of spec changes and uh, curriculum changes and also she there was another uh, point she wanted to make but she didn't get time on the call and she messaged me after so I'll just bring this to your attention is the fact that if you are going to be a tutor then obviously you do have to sort your own tax out uh, and all of that in addition to you know your pay as you earn or your normal tax from school so that's just uh, being making sure you're above board uh, with that um, and doing the necessary self-assessment tax paperwork um, which was something she said just mention it to people so that's that so thanks to Laura um, so we're going to before we do anything else because I don't want to forget to do this and to run out of time and I'm sure uh, Miss Sorsha uh, who one of my uh, sort of people who's been really um, impacting on this show today thank you for all your comments miss um she's had a go at answering the quiz question so i'm going to tell you her answers and how uh, right or wrong she was um i also need to just scan back because one of my other messenger one of my other guests on the show today uh, hussein uh, from iran he made a point about tutoring being very useful with maths but language teaching he said he may disagree because learners need to use the target language for communication with their classmates and they feel stressed when they have to talk to their teacher rather than their partners and they are actually afraid of making mistakes um, when they're using the language so that is a really good point that actually something like MFL um, really is better in a class setting because they're able to bounce off each other um, and it can be a bit embarrassing on one-to-one -one. now in addition before I give you the quiz answers um, Miss Sorsha has also said she went to an info session on it. This must be the National Tutoring Programme. I didn't take it up personally, and I don't know any children who are, if I'm honest. Having been a TA for a decade, wow. Or maybe you could be on our show in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking of doing a TA special. So get in touch if you want to be involved. It would be lovely to have you as a guest. Uh, having been a TA for a decade pre-teacher training, I definitely think I got more of those celebration moments than now as a teacher because you're hoovering, oh, I think she's, <laughs> I think she means hovering over a whole class. Don't hoover up the kids because, um, you know, you never get them back. Uh, so, yeah, um, really, really good points um, from Miss Sorsha. Right, so now I'm going to put her out of her misery because she made, um, she made some good stabs, some good efforts at the quiz questions. So we'll go through these one by one. Um, I'll tell you the real answer and then I'll tell you what she put and we can see how uh, well or badly you did. So the first quiz question uh, from the Sutton Trust data was, what percentage of 11 to 16 year olds nationally uh, have been tutored? Now, I don't know if this is last year, over the last five years, if it's an average, I'm not really sure, I apologize, but it's just a, a figure, a ballpark figure um, based on real data, but I'm not sure how long it goes back for. But anyway, the answer to that one is 27%. So Miss, uh, Miss Sorsha said 48, so you're a little bit out there, not that major, not a lot, but it's basically about a quarter of students uh, have been tutored, um, and you said nearly half, so I think you're a little bit over um, overexcited there about the amount of kids that have been tutored. You've got to remember how expensive it is 
uh, and the amount of kids there are in the country that can't afford to even get lunch. Um, so yeah, that is, um, yeah, you're a little bit out, but it's about a quarter. The second question was, what is the same percentage for this, but for London? Now, unsurprisingly, this figure rises quite a bit um, to 41%. Now, is that just because of the money distribution of wealth that there's, the, there's more money, uh, more rich parents in London, or is it something else? Or is it to do with access to tutors and more people? Uh, I don't know. I'm not a a demographics um, or research analyst, I don't really know, but um, it was 41% in London compared to 27. So no, it's not massively high, but it is a bit higher. Um, and Miss went for 60%. So again, a little bit over, but your jump was about right. So well done. You got the gap about right. Um, yes, you said I was well off. Um, now the next one was percentage of students that are... Um, privileged or well-off or rich, however you want to call it, that had tutored. It was actually 34% and the poor uh, was 20%. So you can see, obviously it isn't everyone, but the diff the main point there is that only 20% of poor children got access to it, whereas nearly a third of rich children got access to tutor, private tutoring. So there is obviously a bit of a concern there. Um, and you said... 70, I think, and 25. So actually 25%, you were you were you were nearly spot on. So give yourself a mark for that. Um, but you were a way out with the rich one. Um so and then the final question, which was uh how many teachers, how many secondary school teachers uh do tutoring part-time? It's actually a quarter, which is incredible. Uh that quarter of teachers in this country. Uh, have done private tutoring um, outside of their own school. One in four, basically. Um, and you said 3%. So uh, I, think, I think, Miss, you underestimated the amount of people that are actually doing tutoring. I'd be interested to know how those numbers break down in terms of full-time and part-time or people who've retired, etc. But um, that is a lot, which means, you know, that's a lot of people submit, you know, helping their income and doing that. Um, and why do they do it? Do they do it just to help them income or do they do it like Laura because they enjoy it and they got a lot out of it? Do they do it because it's flexible working hours and they can do it the evenings and the weekends? I don't know. But um, wow, didn't expect that, says Miss Sorsha. No, I didn't expect those kind of numbers either, which is why I did it as a quiz. Um, I don't know if anyone else, I'm just double checking. I don't think anybody else actually messaged in with their answers, um, but hopefully some people were we're thinking of their answers at home and now are comparing. If you are in fact home, you may still be at school. Boo, which is which is a bit sad, isn't it? But you know, maybe you're getting everything done for your last day and then you'll leave early tomorrow because it's Friday, uh, which is one of the best things about doing my show on a Friday. So um, just to sum up, we are going to spend the last five minutes or so thinking about the National Tutor Programme. 17,000 academic mentors sound up, signed up from a variety of backgrounds, uh, graduates. Um, how is it working in your school? We've already had Miss uh, Miss Sorsha telling us, how is it working in your school? Are you a teacher that is responsible for coordinating it? Um, is there anyone out there with data on the effect on children so far? I'd be interested to you know, to know. Um, and, you know, we, we, I think we can all agree based on what the EEF said and what common sense tells us that one-to-one -one teaching 
is obviously going to be powerful. Uh, that's why tutoring works. That's why intervention sometimes works, because you get that student to sit and talk to you and explain what they don't understand, dig out that misconception and really help. But obviously it's, it's, an, it's not a natural environment. It's not a class. It's not, you're not, it's not sustainable. You have to teach in groups of, of students of 30 um, or less. Um, that's the way that's the way the system works, isn't it? But obviously there are gaps that are created. There are gaps that are already there. There are gaps due to financial situation. There are gaps due to COVID. There are gaps due to support from home, natural ability, uh, effort. And th I mean, there's all sorts of things, reasons those gaps are there. But tutoring, obviously, private tutoring, oh, clearly, from what Laura said, she gets on average a grade increase uh, from the students that work with her, which, you know, it's incredible, really. But then in other ways, it's kind of not because you kind of think, well, actually, they're probably they get it, but they just need a bit of help to pick up some marks here or there. And we all know how easy you can actually get a student to, you know, maybe they're on a borderline and you get them to pick up five or six marks. and They go from a five to a six or a four to a five. It is doable. But again, I've only really done that in, in maybe interventions. I'm not sure I've been able to feel that I've done that in a whole class of 30. Um, the same with the penny drop moment, which Laura talked about. You you do see those in, in, I have seen them in whole classes before where I've said something or modelled something and you kind of see them all go, oh, right. But it's not that common, I don't think. Um, whereas if you're working one-to-one -one with someone, you know, you're going to get that penny drop moment a lot, aren't you? Uh, as they as they begin to get confident and master a certain technique. Um, I mean, I've even seen it with my own children when they were younger, teaching them basic things, reading, writing or number. Um, and you get that that kind of explaining and and then seeing them master something. I mean, that's pure teaching in some ways. Um, but yeah, so um, another thing I wanted to say before we finish today. Um, thanks for joining me if you've been listening live. Um, again, if you're not listening live and you're just catching this on, on the podcast or the Spotify uh, or listening uh, on the listen back function with the website, that is great. Thanks for doing it in that way. Um, the more downloads my show gets, the better. Um, so if you have missed the beginning or you uh, uh, you want to listen to it in that way, that's also fine. Um, remember that I will not be here next week because I only do once every two weeks now. Um, so uh, apologies for that, but I will be back in two weeks time when it will be even lighter. And let's hope it's pitch black now, but let's hope that um, in two weeks time at 5.30, it will be still light. I reckon that's doable. Um, thank you, uh, Hussein. He's joining me for all the way from Iran. Uh, he hasn't called in, but he's been messaging and messaging all the way through the show. And he said, good job. So thank you very much, Hussein. I hope you enjoyed it. Please uh, listen to some of the other shows on Teach Talk Radio uh, or just join me if you like every two weeks. If this is a good time for you, uh, I will be here every two weeks. Um, I'm just double checking now um, if there's anything else I've forgotten to say. I don't think there is. Oh, oh! I was going to say, um, I'm not sure what my next show will be about. I'm thinking of talking about TAs. I might go down and um, down that route, um, but then I've got to get a TA to be a guest. Um, a lot of TAs that I know are quite shy, but I might I might be able to find a TA that will will come on and talk to us um, about the about the job again, the pros and cons of it. If you are 
you know someone who's a TA and they you think they want to um, get on the show, then let me know. I'm, I'm not definitely going to do that, but it's definitely a possibility. Uh, what I was going to say is if you want to discuss a certain topic that you're passionate about and you feel that on Teachers Talk Radio we haven't covered it, just, again, drop us a line uh, on Twitter at Tripitaka74 or you can uh, message the team at, at TT Radio 2022 now, of course. Um, so you can message us like that um, or through the website, send in us an email, ttradio.org, and basically get in touch um, uh, with uh, anything you say you'd like, to, whether you want to be a guest on the show, that's absolutely fine. We can prearrange that. Um, or you can just call in or if you want to uh, suggest a topic. Right, so I just need to go back because, again, uh, Hussein had asked, what does TA stand for? But Miss, the lovely Miss Sorsha has replied and told him it's teaching assistant. Again, that is my fault uh, because, again, I sometimes don't want to patronise the listeners by explaining all these acronyms, but then I do also forget that we have listeners from across the globe. So I must remember, note to self, acronym explanations. I even had one with CPD once where I'd said CPD about 10 times before somebody messaged to say, what does CPD stand for? And they weren't, they were from Birmingham. So that was nothing to do with uh, a cultural difference. It was just because they were, they were thinking of becoming a teacher and they didn't know what the hell CPD was. Why would you? Um, Okay, so that's all good. So no show next week. We'll be back in two weeks. Uh, I wanted to just let you know of any other shows coming up. So give me two seconds, guys. And I'm just going to check um, the schedule because this is fast changing. Um, we have lots of uh, new... Um, new hosts and new members of the team uh, that are going to be um, on uh, with us uh, as part of the team for Teacher Talk Radio. So tonight um, it should be um, after this uh, Holly or Ollie uh, or Holly and Ollie. Um, we've got um, Maria O'Neill, I think, on the late show. And that is, should be going on tonight. If I'm wrong, I apologise, but she should be on later tonight, Maria, at 10 o'clock. Um, and then tomorrow morning, um, at break time, we've got Dorian. Um, and then obviously after that, uh, it gets a little bit tricky with the with fortnightly shows. But um, yeah, lo lots of lots of things going on. Oh, and Saturday morning, of course, we've got, uh, it says Saturday morning now is Zoe slash Kate slash Tom. Uh, I think there's been a bit of a change around, but there will be somebody obviously doing Saturday along with Emma, Joe, Mary, and Miss Saeed. So um, that is um, your Teacher Talk Radio for today. I'm afraid I'm going to have to leave you. So I'm going to make my uh, dinner, um, which will be probably a Jamie Oliver special. Um, but it's going to be nice. So uh, have a good evening, everyone. And take care. Look after yourselves. And um, I'll speak to you all in two weeks. Take care. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.